Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi. And today we're talking about Windbreaker City. This is episode 39 of our podcast. We're coming close to a pretty like big number there, Carl. This episode's called Windbreaker City? Yeah, it used to be called Hostages, but then they renamed it. I see. It makes, I didn't know that. I liked it, though. I kind of liked it's the title. It's way too cold out there for windbreakers. Well, they you know what it refers to, right? I know that they're wearing windbreakers. Well, Jake straight up calls the like conference or whatever that they attend Windbreaker City. Yes. Yeah. I remember him saying that. Yeah. Because all the cops and everyone have windbreakers, windbreakers with their on, initials on them. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm, yeah. I'm pulling an Amy. I realize this. I don't fucking care. I explained the joke too much. Is it because they have jackets? Yes. No, maybe? I don't know. Yes, it's because they have jackets. Okay, great. Um, So, do you want to summarize the plots, or shall I? Uh, Sure. Um, (laughs) For reasons explained, but I consider unknown, the squad has been invited to participate in an otherwise all-national-level training simulation hosted by the Department of Homeland Security. Um, Jake... Uh, egged on by Charles and driven by his ongoing post-breakup feels over Sophia, pisses off Nick Kroll, who is some kind of douchebag FBI, FDA, HSA, uh, NSA, I don't know. He's NCI- He's NCIS. Um, <laughs> he pisses off CSI Miami and gets the entire squad assigned to be hostages. Um, All you're missing is Chicago Fire and Chicago PD. Those aren't real. Um, Wait, are you saying the city of Chicago does not have a fire department or a police department? Or are you saying that those shows aren't real? Come at me. Uh, uh, Jake decides he doesn't want to sit tied to a thing and breaks out and becomes armed hostages and then is the terrorists and then he is all the demons and Sophia still doesn't love him at the end of the episode. In the background of this, Amy and Rosa are fighting over who gets to have the weekend off. Amy quote-unquote wins. Rosa still has feelings for Marcus. Again, for reasons unknown. In the C-plot, psychology. And in the D-plot, Amy's trying to get people to say 9-9. No, it's just a three-part joke. Not enough. <laughs> it exists only as a parasite to other seeds. And it's a beautiful little parasite. I love that parasite. Let's start with that parasite. Sure, I but it's not a deep plot. Freaking loved Amy in this episode. She was totally a knockout. She was yeah. a standout and a knockout. I don't know how she knocked while standing. It was great. I think that's normal because it's a baseball term. I think. I don't think it's a baseball term. The standout, like, I don't know. The knockout is boxing. I don't know, you can knock it out of the park. But Also, you stand up while boxing. <laughs> sure. And if you knock someone out, then you're the one still standing. It's easy for Amy to do both things, particularly because most of Mero's good at comic acting. Your ball. Sports. <laughs> there was so much sports just then, I don't know what to do. Okay, uh, let's start with how much she was terrific in this episode. I... I gotta give a big shout out to Latoya because I had been live tweeting Melissa Fumero less and less stealth the best on the show and 
Latoya agreed with me. Like we were we were chatting on Twitter and also in her review for the episode this week, she pointed out that Melissa Romero's hands down just so consistently good. And this episode is especially good because it highlights so many things about Amy that are funny. Mm -hmm. It brings out her competitiveness and her love of seminars and her not quite getting the joke. Like, she eventually gets people to say 9-9, but she doesn't know how or why she did it. But her little, like, excited, proud face was so, like, terrific. That is is the pure heart of her that will always triumph over (laughs) evil. It was terrific how, like... I've been watching a lot of anime. Okay, thanks, shounen anime. Pretty sure I just named it shoujo trope. Pretty sure Amy's not in a shounen anime. That's true. Jake thinks he's in a shounen anime, but he's... in a sports anime. Jake thinks he's in not a shoujo anime, and he's definitely in a shoujo anime. Let's be real. How much time do we have for this conversation? <laughs> okay, I don't... Let's not. Let's not and say we did. Um, let's not and say we didn't. That's I, how editing works. I, I used that line uh, the other day on someone. Oh, man. Okay, but uh, no, her like beautiful like triumphant face there was simultaneously endearing and hilarious. Yep. Because like you said, she had no idea what made everyone say 9-9, but she was going to take that win, damn it. Yeah. Yeah. Also, her power posing... It's not good at all. It was so funny, though. It's like, Amy, have you ever been in conversation with anyone who did that and Rosa. were then, <laughs> like, impressed? No. Like, in a kind of power way? No. I mean... But that beautiful expression when Rosa, like, just sort of, like, stands up more assertively and she goes, oh, power pose. Because at first she's afraid, but then she understands. She understands that she's not the power pose. I think it ties back to... To the long-running arc of Rosa and Amy's friendship, like, like going back all the way to Sal's Pizza, where and like even in this season, um, we've been talking about Rosa getting groomed for command and things like that. Yep. And Amy wanting to be groomed for command and things like that. And I think this was a great episode to sort of tie it back, where it's like, yeah, they do look out for each other. And I, pre- I, I, I approve of Amy being like, me murdering you was kind of shady. Well, she should, she should agree. Like, I mean, the scenario was a little off the rails, but in terms of points performance, killing the person who's been helping you kill other people is rarely how you get the most points. Sports talk with Carl. <laughs> in basketball if what's a team where I know two players in football <laughs> if you know in basketball they have fours in defense in, right? In, in football if touchdown Tom kills the Gronk that's bad for touchdown Tom <laughs> okay <laughs> the Gronk is the one with a thumb for a face Like Channing Tatum, star of recent movie uh, Jupiter Ascending, which I saw on purpose. How was Jupiter Ascending? Jupiter Ascending was itself. And you loudly should... and thoroughly. Can you please explain that more? Uh, I mean, I can explain my sentiment, but not the movie. I mean, so Jupiter Ascending wanted to be a lot of things and succeeded at being some of them, <laughs> but just like kind of committed to a level of energy and that was the main thing that each scene had in common with every other scene. The fact that at every point it was like a teenage girl's wildest dreams, which I'm I'm fine with. I mean, like 
There's no point in that movie in which I stopped chuckling to myself. <laughs> and I consider that a positive experience for eight bucks. Uh, Chang Tatum, um, my fiance does not understand why anyone finds him attractive. And I barely understand why anyone finds him attractive. He has a serious case of thumb face. And also, in this movie, a serious case of, like, badly applied eyeliner. Thanks. Also, he's a wolf. Yeah, he There's is. no reason for anyone to be animals, but most people are animals. There's no reason given to the film why that is the case. It makes for the best joke of the movie, like, by far. But there's just no purpose to that. My hot take on Jupiter's <laughs> ending. The, the keenest pop culture trends only. <laughs> The what? joke the joke is, he's like, I have more in common, like, she's, for some reason, every time Myla Kuda's cat, she's like, I want to jump your bones, and he's like, but, but reasons, <laughs> with his non-personality, <laughs> but, like, at, what, at one, one of his, like, deflections is, like, you're royalty, and I'm a spice, I have more, in, like, genetically in common with a dog than with you, and she's like, I love dogs, I've always loved dogs, <laughs> oh, no. he's like... I leave. <laughs> it's a good joke. It's a pretty good joke. Also, like, ten seconds, they spend, uh, they devote to her hating herself for having said that. <laughs> There's a really high-pitched noise. That's the radiator. Okay. So, audience, I'm sorry if you can hear that. It's my radiator. So, anyway, yes. Uh, Jupiter Ascending, another, um... Another entry in the long list of thumb-faced men contributing to American society, along with Kyle Bornheimer and the Gronk. <laughs> That's what's-his-name Gronkowski from the Patriots, the team I wanted not to win. Is it Ron Gronkowski? I don't care. <laughs> That's just an unfortunate naming choice. Ronk, Gronk, Bonk, Bonk. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Okay. No, I, I, I just, I don't, I don't give a fuck. So take, taking it back further... Uh, I love I love seeing Amy's assertiveness arc get development, like mostly because it keeps proving me right, and I like being proven right about things. Um, but uh, I I really like seeing where that's going. I like because I feel like it's getting like just enough screen time for me to be like, okay, so this is like really like this her. is the real thing they're doing for her personality. Yeah, exactly. But it's also like not everything the way sometimes I feel like. Like, Jake's, like, let's grow him up some arc from first season was just, like... Every friggin' episode. <laughs> yeah. Break him a... down to basics and then build him up a little bit. Yeah. And I like that that's not happening here. Like, Amy is clearly building on herself. And she's, like, so many things. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, her reason for making, like, the whole fight with Rosa thing happen, I think came a little bit out of left field. But... I think there's an underlying mutual respect, and really it was her intuiting there was something going on with her friend that she didn't understand, and Rosa realizing, oh, I should tell my friend things, or she'll shoot me. <laughs> Which, to be fair, is the kind of power move that Rosa would respect. Yes, uh, the, the, <laughs> the puppy has unexpectedly displayed dominance. That's kind of cute. I put it back in, in the kennel. A Friendship by Carl. <laughs> it's a beautiful children's book, Carl. You should write that and sell it to yourself. We don't publish children's books. <laughs> yes. Please don't send me children's books. We will never publish children's books. 
and and I like that 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 part of Amy's assertion arc brings her like brings her friendship to Gina to the forefront, brings her friendship with Rosa to the forefront. Like I'm curious, and we saw some of her relationship with Terry also come to the forefront. It's like she's catching up with all these people. Like she's like considering herself more of an equal to them in certain ways. Like she in season one thought all these people were way cooler than her, and she's you know. Partially she was right. right then, and she'd still be right now. Yeah. But, like, she's coming into more aspects of herself that makes her feel capable of actually talking to them like an equal. Yeah, and it makes me think of something that Shur and Gore said uh, over the summer, where they said if they get Jake and Amy together, they want it to be at a point where it really lasts between both of them. And I like that, because, like, what you're saying is, like, her being able to see the squad as equals with her... Specifically, and more fully seeing someone like Jake, who clearly has seniority within the respect of, like, time served, right? And also just, like, is the more major member of the squad yeah. in everyone's hearts and mind. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... It's like there's a television show about him. I'm gonna, I'm gonna kick you. <laughs> I, I mean, that is the dynamic. Right. Like, she feels like a secondary character in her own life. That sucks, by the way. I've yeah. been that person. It fucking sucks. Yeah. It does. Yeah. But it's nice to see that. I'm I'm curious, like, if the next sort of set steps of her assertion arc, because it seems like they're going to have her with Rosa for a minute or two more, and then uh, I wonder... Are they paired together in the next episode? No, actually, she's paired with Jake in the next episode. But I'm curious if, like, we'll see her assertion arc come out there again, or if they'll be saving that for later in the season. Because you had a great prediction. I can't remember if we meant it said on the podcast, but you had a great prediction that like one of the one of the later points of her assertion arc, not necessarily the terminus, but one of the like in the denouement of it, is that I th- you mentioned that it will be Amy addressing the the sort of unresolved nature of her relationship, her romantic relationship with Jake. Yeah. And I loved that point because I think it's I think it's right. And and I was thinking about it today on the way home from the train about how like as we're cycling as we're seeing her cycle her arc through each of the characters, it means we'll probably get another Amy Boyle episode, and hopefully this one is better than the last one. Which one was the last one? Halloween one. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> For real? Have they not been paired since then? That was a shit show. Except for except for one off like jokes and flashbacks, we I don't think we've seen Boyle and Amy get paired up for real. We saw them working together with Gina in. Um, they were working together against Gina in. Uh, that was like last episode, right? Yeah, yeah, with the binder. Yeah, yeah, the binder full of tactics, not women. The binder full of tactics. <laughs> Back to this, I think I think we'll actually get a, a touch point with um, Amy and Boyle with her arc, as opposed to just Amy and Boyle making like, jokes. Sure, but I don't think she has to assert herself in, with Boyle in particular. I actually think she does because when she because Boyle kind of stomped all over her in Halloween one about not that's, loving Halloween. That's true, but yeah, that's true. Fuck Boyle, man. <laughs> Boyle. So actually, this is a great. Uh, let's talk about Boyle for a minute because I like that when Boyle needs to be assertive and like kind of get things done, he can. Like 
he rallies everyone to like help Jake. But he does it by preying on all their insecurities start. and their like personality quirks, right? Yeah, he does. Like he's like, I heard them call you Jiggly Jeffords. Competition, <laughs> Jake. Let's live your action movie fantasy right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and like, and and I loved that. Like, it was obviously calculated, but also instant. Like, it feels like how Jake was kind of uh, shot blocking for him in uh, charge in his part of charges and specs when when he was you know in his dark pit of despair. Like it feels like a moment of reciprocity between them. So I I actually was thinking about that and I I kind of disagree. Um, cool. Bring it. <laughs> because because in Charges and Specs, Jake is largely not present while yeah. Boyle is like breaking down and crying. Not True. literally. Matrixing, right? For the most part, Boyle's recovery is handled by Rosa, Gina, and Terry. Um, that's their my major plot arc. I was actually going, I was thinking while I was, and I was tweeting this too, I think, mm. but on Sunday that this actually reminds me of Jake working through Boyle's crazy and fancy breadgum and later in um, Full Boy or earlier in Full Boyle. Like, the reciprocity here is, like, Jake help Jake works as hard to get Boyle and Vivian together as Boyle works to get Jake's mind off of Sophia. Yeah. So it was, like, a nice, like, parallel of, like, when they're both at their best with each other. You know? Like, when Jake is, in tr- is, is hurting, Boyle is at his best. When Boyle is doing well in his life and needs some support to get him through past his own insecurities and crazy, Jake is at his best in Boyle's life. They're both supportive of each other, obviously. They're both, and those are both supporting roles to play in a friend's life. Just sort of the tenor and nature of when each is most successful is really interesting. Because when Jake was successful with Sophia, Boyle's input was either rega- disregarded or not in, not included on screen, so it mustn't have been important. Yeah, I... That makes sense. Yeah. And I feel like Jake is not really the kind of person to accept help when things are going well. Yeah. So. He, he's all ego, right? Like, that's Jake's entire shtick. But I did also like that it was, in some ways more of Jake's long overall season two arc, which is that about control, right? Like he can't always have control over the situation. He can't control everything that's going to happen. The Sophia is not texting him back. That is so far beyond his control. And yet all he has control over is his ability to check his phone. So he keeps doing it neurotically. I did. I will say though, that like that moment when they like have triumphed over all the terrorists who are holding them hostage and he looks at his phone and, like, is disappointed. And you can basically see Boyle's, like, thought process click into place. And he's like, nope. <laughs> Gotta stop that. How can I stop that? Tactic. Destroy all our careers. <laughs> Let's talk about that. They did just tank their careers. I mean, I think this puts... I think this uh, seriously puts a damper on your, like, FBI hopes for Jake. I was thinking about that. Is the FBI there? I don't know. I don't think so. And the FBI is famous for hating all other organizations. But but like, they do recruit out cops. Sure. But they hate all other federal level uh Oh, yeah. That part is true. They do hate everyone else. Actually, the FBI is deliberately called in by cops. That's when they can intervene. 
So, uh, where were we? Uh, the FBI, my FBI theory. Yeah. Our FBI theory. You brought it up in season one, at the beginning of the season, actually. I did? Yeah, it was actually cool. yours, your, your thought. Cool, cool. Cool. So, I actually really like the idea of it. I get why you think it, why it could be a damper. Well, I think, actually, that this is the kind of thing that makes it more likely, because mm. it's the kind of thing they would bring up in his horrible job interview. Mm-hmm. Before he, you know, that job interview would be such a ja- disaster. Yes, I would actually hope that they go for the because it's so obvious. I really hope they go for like the what's the subversion of that, subvert our expectations about that. To do what? Like maybe he does a lot of test interviews with Holt and Terry and Boyle and everyone, and like stress interviewing and stuff, and it's he really hates bad. Tests. That's what I'm saying. I hope that they like do all of the goofy interviewing garbage in, like, his prep so that when he's actually in the interview, he does well. Yeah, maybe. I, I think I think they need to grow Jake a lot before he'd be able to do that. Um, Assuming the show... Like, I can see them trying to do that and it just, like, feeling not, like, authentic. I, I can see them with Jake, like, not putting him up at the federal level until season seven, like they've done with Leslie Nope on Parks. And I actually think that would work really, really well. Because, like, honestly, I was telling my friend who's staying with me this week that I don't really see the show going past seven seasons. Yes, yeah, so just like Leslie is now the head of the Midwest branch of the National Park Service, so could Jake be part of the New York City field office for the FBI, but later in the show. Yeah, I, once I, they're, you know, out of things to do at, in the NYPD for him. I mean, it's a very late show development because it just... The further you go from, like, the title of your show... <laughs> the closer you are to the end of your show. I agree. It's a nice way to like look at the end, right? Yeah. Not that I want to. Obviously, they've got at least two more seasons. Because they've got season three, and season three almost always guarantees a season four. Television! <laughs> Point being, I I agree with you that they would have to grow him up more. Yeah. Um, But I kind of like that... I feel like we're foreseeing some good growth for both. For for most of our characters here, I think the exception being Boyle, actually. Yeah, Boyle felt very static for quite a while, and it's partly because like for a while they were just doing the same joke every episode. And hair washing. Uh, yeah, he's an accessory to other people's actual plots, and that makes sense because of how much play he got in season one. And like, I think that you know he's not a character who needs that much play all the time. Um, He'll probably develop a new interest before the season's out, and we'll hear about it. And that'll be sort of our entry into Boyle's next stage. Yeah. Or he'll get back with Gina. Which is what we all want. again, off again forever. I want so much that thing. Yes. Yeah. In this one, it was like the care package for your mom thing. Is like that ties to Beach House and all kinds of weird shit he's got going on, but really it's just the same. <laughs> Boyle's a weird creeper who can't judge any situation. And he's got psychosexual issues. We already yes. knew that. Yes. I do like that Gina's getting a lot of development. Like her night school thing finally came back. And I liked, and I always like. She's apparently going for psychology. Or she Which is could a... actually. I mean, I guess this could eventually lead to her having a job like. I mean, I think she wants to be management or something, but she could be, like, a profiler. I think she'd be good at that. Or just the police shrink, frankly. Is that a thing? B.D. Wong plays that on SVU. Is that a thing, though? I want to say probably. Okay. I always like Gina Holt scenes. 
Um, I like Gina Holt plot lines, and you know we we I don't have we had this one since have we had these two in a while? I feel like no. I really liked this one though. It hit all the right notes for their relationship. You know, we had Gina being the one taking the high road, so it felt a lot like um, Brain Jensen and that yeah. plot line. But it also I, felt better I, than I, that. I liked the I liked the box of cookies and blondies, both because I really want a cookie. And also because it's exactly the kind of trap, like, Gina would lay. Yeah. The kind of stupid, over-elaborate, aha, you did a reasonable thing, and therefore you are the menace. But her beautiful line there where she's like, I'm I'm whimsical, not a lunatic. Yeah. And I, I tweeted, I was like, BRB tattooing that on my arm right now. I, that line spoke, to, that Gina line has spoken more to me than probably any other line. Although she said later in the episode, that was a terrible apology from content to tone. Yeah. And I don't think I've laughed harder at anything else in that in that in in this episode. Um, I think, uh, I don't know what I think. You think that Rosa and Marcus is doomed. Doomed! Yes. Well, he has less personality than Teddy. Yes. Teddy, who had no discernible personality beyond Pilsner's. Yes. Those are some things I think. Those are things I remember thinking in past days. Do you want to segue to that part of our podcast? Well, we kind of... That's it. Okay, we, cool. Bonifer cool. Hasty requested we talk about that. But okay. in our pre-show conversation, that was all we had to say about it. I hope you don't like Marcus. Because he's not going to be around for very long. I was telling... I don't know what... Like, Actually, I can see him like successfully wooing her parents. That would probably be pretty easy for him. He probably plays pretty well. With, with smiley middle, morons? With the middle-aged demographic. And smiley morons. Yes. I think that he's uh, friendly and non-threatening. Um, he has no things to threaten with. It's um, fucking Nick Cannon. Do you know on the press releases how like everyone get like, guest stars get like whatever their most famous thing is? Yeah. So like Stephen Root is like Office Space and you know his other work and Sandra Bernhardt she's like you know Roseanne and for Nick Cannon it's America's Got Talent. <laughs> and I was like, oh no, oh yes. There were two things I wanted to finish on. One, I really enjoyed this episode like you guys probably figured that out because we haven't been bitching about it for half the half the time but i really enjoyed this episode and i was i was talking with latoya about it on twitter because her review basically opens with this hit all of my like yes checkboxes all of its high notes agreed with her in a way that like are very like strikingly like things she likes it felt like very much tailored to her. Mm-hmm. And she and I were talking about how this episode also, for me, invites season one comparisons. There's some natural like plot lines and parallels between like Tactical Village and this. Sure. As well it's as it's like a sequel. In a lot of it's an it's an unofficial sequel. And 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 I do think that's what they were going for. But I was talking to her about this and I was looking at some chatter that I saw on Twitter and Tumblr about like, is season one better than season two? Or is season two like weak? And and I think the answer to that is is season two is season one better than season two? No, I actually think I think season one was just unnaturally strong for a first season of a comedy. I think a lot of shows just don't hit that stride until maybe season two or season three, but this one hit it really fast. Like once they get to the vulture, they've tipped over into like really hit the ground running. Yeah, 
and I was telling her this too, I think season two probably plays better in aggregate. I have a feeling that if we, like when the season's over, if we were to just binge the entire season, like in a couple of days. The idea of doing that at this stage of my my engagement with the show, it's like, whoa. It's a little overwhelming. Yes. I, I think, though, like, if, if we were to watch the entire second season in aggregate, like, in a very short span of time, and sort of take it as a whole, because I was remembering, like, I would rewatch season one over and over. I think that one of the things that's peop- that, like, I think people being a little short-sighted when they ask that question, because I think that the problem is that the middle of season two has been flagging, and they could finish strong, but it opened on such a... It, it opened so well. Like, the, the the opening episodes of season two were at the top of its quality. And it hasn't... It's been coasting. Yeah, and that's what I've been... That's what I told her, too, is, like, I, I have a feeling a lot of the stuff that, like, has been tough to watch week to week goes away when you kind of have, like, two or three episodes at a time to go through. Not necessarily because of quality, but because, like, Giggle Pig was, like, a multi-episode arc. So getting to see that come to fruition and to pay off really well, both comedically as well as narratively, might work. Might just work better in aggregate as opposed to, like, in this case, it might be sort of like writing for the DVD rather than writing for the week-to-week. Which maybe you shouldn't do for a sitcom, but, like, still... You know, <laughs> whatever. You probably should not, but that's not my job. No, I thank fucking I don't write God for anything. <laughs> thank fucking God, it's not my job. But the, my point being with her was like, I don't know if season two is worse than season one. I have a feeling though, season two will finish really, really strong. There's beyond the fact that we know that next week is the Boyle Linetti wedding, um, which is going to be super fun. And because those words don't at all foreshadow anything. So the Boyle and Eddie wedding is happening, and on top of that, in a rare move, Jake is in the B plot because he's not in the title plot. Jake and Amy are in are partnered up again for a case in the B plot. Nice. It's a weird combination of things I didn't Maybe think would happen. Maybe she'll take the lead in the case. I'm hoping for it. High five sound effect. I'm so excited. I didn't fist bump you. The other thing I wanted to talk about was, to finish out, is um, this season has been super, like, action-y. I was thinking about this last year. The only episode that had a really big action sequence was Tactical Village. This year... That's not true. Uh, Christmas had a whole, like... Like, the first episode, Christmas, um, or whatever it's called, Safe House. Uh, The one where Boyle got shot in the butt. That's Christmas. Because he comes back from Christmas being like, what happened? And you and I were like, they have no episodes and nothing happened. Right. (laughs) Anyway, like, there were a lot of big action sequences in in the first season. I feel like there's been way more this season, though. And I feel like they've all been turned up to 11. Maybe. We had two takedowns in USPIS, right? Like they storm the they storm the thing and we see Jake push a guy against like some canister while like Rosa is off like fighting someone. I, I, I'm thinking back on it. And I'm remembering now. I don't think it's an uptick, but I, I I I'm remembering a lot more action sequences now. They feel more pronounced. It this just season. It, it hasn't followed much for me. I don't know. I feel like I've been noticing the choreo- choreographing of the action sequences more this season, mm-hmm. and just the maybe it's just the vol- maybe I feel like it's just higher volume because I'm paying attention more. Like as opposed to having the show on in the other in the other room while I'm like cooking or whatever. Last last thing, 
we talked with Latoya about how for a show about cops, they seem to solve very few cases. Yeah. I'm actually, and it occurred to me the other week, I actually wonder if maybe that was a deliberate choice. Like, because of all the, like, talk of police brutality in the media, they were like, let's just not, let's just not have them be very cop-like for a while and let all this sort of, not die down, but be resolved. If that were their plan, then it's not going to be resolved. No, no, no. But like, So, like, maybe they're waiting for 2050. But <laughs> hope the show's not on in 2050. <laughs> but like you kind of see what I'm saying, right? Sort of, but I don't buy it. I'm sorry. I mean, I I think that they are leaning less heavily on the cop solving crime thing, but I don't think it's for that reason. I think it's just because you know, I think it's just the direction that things took them in. Like, how many episodes in a row have we gotten something like "You're a good cop" or "I'm proud to be a cop." Or, That's fair. And and one thing they've been leaning heavily on this on this season is like Jake accidentally saying things like "Never has anyone been more oppressed than us." <laughs> you know what? I I will. I, I you're right. And uh, yeah, I think that's everything I wanted to talk about. I wanted to float that past just because, like, you're right. It's probably not true, but I think it's I think it's I think it's an interesting point to make. For, yeah, some of our audience is crew, but, like, some of our audience is, most of our audience is just, like, people. Yeah. I don't, I just, I would be surprised if that's why they were doing this. Mm. I don't think that that would be the right response. They might be doing that as a stall tactic. I would find that kind of short-sighted. I don't think that their problem, if they conceive of it as a problem, is going to go away. No. Um, unless they do something active about it. And doing less crime solving isn't gonna help them because like I mean it's not like detective work is what's causing the NYPD to kill all these black folks seeing like cop show grade detective work is not gonna be the triggering factor sitcom cop show grade detective work yeah like yeah I don't know. Maybe, maybe maybe it's just me being selfish and wanting a case of them to be solving cases again. They should solve cases. It's I, not going to exacerbate their problem, and I think it's what they it's when the show is do is better. But uh, do yeah. you think that comes back to so many of the characters? Like, I think it's being, what, I think it's what the characters were written to do. Yeah, like I was going to say, like Jake's introductory like line by Terry is the only puzzle he can't solve is how to grow up. Amy's thing is competitiveness and what's more competitive than like trying to get to the answer first. Yeah, I mean, these characters were designed to be sitcom police detectives. Mm -hmm. And they should let them but they should make them like face up to challenges that actually matter for being an ethical police officer. The biggest problem that an ethical police officer can have they are unequipped to handle. Because the fact is that an, like, an anti-racist, anti-oppressive cop is hated by his or her co-workers. Is the enemy in, in his or her own precinct. And they can't do that without transferring one of the characters. And they can't do that in their little like progressive utopia precinct. <laughs> Bubble precinct? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think... I was just thinking about that. I was like, because the character you just described is Jake, but we love Jake. Like, you literally said earlier in this podcast, like, everyone loves him. That's Amy's biggest, like, 
sort of problem is that yeah. she thinks that she's out of their league, or she thinks they're all out of her league. Yeah. Like, they don't have the apparatus to depict in a forward-moving way what the challenge of being an ethical cop would actually look like, and they have never tried to develop that apparatus. It's not the story they're trying to tell. They could, I think, if they did a collab precinct, like a precinct collaborative thing. Maybe, but I don't... It would just be like, oh, those are some bad cops. With Without, like... Well, Holt could bring it up, right? Because Holt worked PR. He could be like, that's actually... We're weird. They're normal. The show would never say that. Probably not, no. It would it would pierce the illusion. Like, the show would never say that. For these characters to make sense, they have to be super proud of how good they are at being cops. And not... Like, Jake's never felt the kind of pressure to, like, cover for a co-worker who killed a black man just because he was black and had a pack of cigarettes. Yeah. Like... Yeah. 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 Like, the premise of this is that these... This precinct doesn't exist in the same city where, like, 99% of the cops who went to a funeral turned their back on the mayor. It's just a different city. A different, like, America. On that really cheerful note... (laughs) uh, this has been this has been back in the field. Um, oh, can we actually end on a cheerful note? I am looking. How? F- <laughs> I. It's on you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to next week's episode. Perhaps in spite of myself, I'm trying to be reserved about it. But boil a nutty wedding, and that it and it not being the like. I'm I'm interested to see what Jake and Amy in the B plot looks like because it it. No, no way they can like I refuse to let them have these two be the A plot when the episode is named for a goddamn wedding that they're clearly not like they're less involved in they can find a way I don't want them to <laughs> I want them to split the what episode what if they finish the wedding in like this, the like cold open, open. <laughs> uh, that's a little anticlimactic don't you think yeah it would be a terrible plan but then you'd be wrong <laughs> <laughs> thanks technically operation broken feather is that we've already been over this though because like the operation to break the feather continues as the emotional carry through line for the entire episode well then if they do the Boyle and Eddie wedding in the first they'll still have been married I'm really excited for next week's episode I think that um, I'm I'm hoping we see some movement on the Jake Amy ship and I think I think a lot of us are hoping for that and I think a lot of us are hoping for that sort of I'm worried that hoping for that won't make it happen (laughs) it seems like such a natural place for it though they have barely interacted all season even in this episode last tactical I mean I get why right but like well they were in different plots in this episode yeah but like even Amy had her own thing going on and so did Jake I think that it's a good move to have her be totally in the background while he's dealing with feelings about Sophia oh no I agree from a from a like from an emotional realness perspective, I agree. But I was telling... I think it's a good tactic on everyone's part. Yeah, but I also think that unless we start seeing some indication of Amy's heart, like, it just feels... Yeah, I'm kind of giving up on that hope from early season. Like, <sighs> I, I I think that we will learn more about what's going on with her this episode, because they haven't been on a case in fucking forever. The last time um, they interacted one-on-one was but, like, Road Trip. Yeah. 
It was January. I mean, they interacted one on one in Beach House, but it's not the same. Yeah. Yeah. And that wasn't that plot wasn't about them. Mm-mm. So yeah, I think we'll learn something about what's going on with her, even if it's not like directly contributing to the forward motion of the ship. Do you think? Do you think we'll see like we saw at the end of last season, where like Jake was just like constant pining, looks at Amy for four episodes? No, I don't need her to be pining after him. No, I, I, I um, I think that they both will have a recovery time of like. I think they need to establish a new baseline normal before that will happen, because I don't think Jake is that emotionally elastic, actually. I think you're right, because, like, I think about the end of um, Undercover, where Amy's like, haha, we're back, and Jake's like, eh, kinda. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm interested to see how that goes. I am also interested in seeing how the fallout from Sophia is, how long that lasts, because Amy's fallout from Teddy was, like, 20 minutes but i think that was by design yeah yeah we'll see that's really all i have to talk about carl okay well from all of us to all of you i'm carl my name is arthi thanks for listening and we'll see you next week bye